Greetings, children, and dare you step inside the vegan abattoir. I'm Kevin Smith. And I'm Harley Quinn Smith. A very uh, distressed Harley Quinn Smith as she clock watches her <laughs> her Postmates app it, it, out of pure frustration as a driver can't get her fucking liquid beverage here fast I'm enough. I'm so hungry. What are you getting? A smoothie from Earth Bar. A it's vegan smoothie? A vegan smoothie. It's very on brand for our show. I'm just hungry. I haven't eaten yet. Yeah, poor driver's like, well, next time go get it your fucking self. I should have. <laughs> um, Paul S. is taking a long time. <laughs> welcome to First World Problems with Harley Quinn Smith. I ain't getting my fucking vegan shake fast enough. Hey. Her day just began minutes ago. She just woke up. Ready to embrace the day at two o'clock. So, <laughs> what's um, your point? <laughs> everything's on her nerves today. You may hear periodically the sound of a police siren because they're sitting down at the base of our our house, like in the street crosses over with the the other street when it becomes like Franklin. The police are sitting on Franklin because nobody ever stops at the stop signs; they just blow through them. Um, so present mean. company included. And so somebody must have not me tattled and the police are just sitting there. So they're out of view. Mm -hmm. So if you're trucking and you fucking blow through the stop sign, they're hiding, they're They're hiding. And then you see them. And I mean, that's, they're allowed to do that. You should absolute jerk is the one that blows the stop sign. You. Yes. They're probably trying to find you. Someone probably reported. Uh, I bet you that's somebody calling. Some uh, Is that your driver going, where are you? <laughs> no. I have your drink and I'm going to drink it. I think my driver has like fully left. <laughs> quite like the mafia. I've always felt like. <laughs> the ma- What? Yes. Quite like the mafia always approaches the police like, hey, they got a job to do. We got a job to do. Their job is to stop us. Our job is to do mm-hmm. as much as we can. And when they get caught, they're like, all right, fair enough. Like, they get it. There's a kind of code to it and stuff. If I get pulled over, I totally accept it. I don't fight it because I'm like, for all the times you never saw me do really fucking perilous driving. Absolutely. Endangering my lives and the lives of others. I accept your humble parking Only ticket. Fair. Yes. Only fair. Only fair. Only fair. No one drives like you. No, I, I am a, a very... I don't, let me see. I don't put lives in danger, uh, but I'm, I'm not, um, well, I, I put my own life in danger because I never wear a seatbelt. Jesus. Because we weren't raised like that. Our generation, they weren't like, put on your seatbelts, seatbelt optional. For the way that you drive, you should be wearing a helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, a bulletproof vest, and like an entire metal suit. To be fair, I don't do this around people. I go up to uh, Mulholland and I drive like an idiot. But sometimes I'll drive like that on the freeway as well. I don't consider driving like an idiot. I think if you had ever spent any like real time in Jersey, you'd be like, oh, they all drive like this. You'd Um... see that it's 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 regional. It's in my genes because that's the way I was raised to drive. I was fucking trained to drive in the mean streets of New Jersey, son. Really? It's yeah. The driving is somehow worse or more chaotic. Have you ever driven in Manhattan? Oh no, no. If you can drive two places in this world, I feel. If you can drive there, you can drive anywhere in the world. New York City, which is laid out like a grid, Mm -hmm. and one of the most difficult driving terrains in the world even though it is laid out like a grid if you can manage that you can manage almost any major city or definitely any town in the in the united states driving in london 
which is something I've never done. And I don't think I ever will. I don't think my brain's built that way. I think if you could drive in London, you can drive anywhere in the fucking world, man. Because of the opposite side of the steering wheel? or Well, there's that. But also, as difficult as New York is to navigate, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that difficult because it's laid out like a grid, but it's, like, difficult to get around and shit. Terrifying for a lot of people, the inexperienced driver. I sit in a car anytime I'm in London, and if somebody's bringing me to some fucking thing, I sit behind the driver, and I watch, and I count the amount of times we would have died if I was at the wheel because I'm like, I wouldn't have done that. Like my instinct is to go left and you can't even do that here. We would have been killed. Like I, I can't drive. I can't drive in London. I like people have offered to me, you want to give it a shot? I'm like, fuck no. It's just, it's too scary. You might as well ask me to fly a rocket ship. (laughs) It just seems too difficult for me. It's beyond my fucking abilities, my Mm -hmm. limited abilities. I'm glad that you acknowledge that and that you don't try to fuck with it. No way, man. It's important in life, kiddo, to to know your limitations Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and learn to fucking settle for less. Your mom did shit. Hey, and and that's how you got (laughs) here. Great. Yeah, I am. Except when it comes to driving in London. Fuck. I don't, I don't think I could ever pull that off. That's scary. Um, but here, stateside, I'll drive anywhere. And, I, you know, New York City, fuck, get in. <laughs> I'll drive you there. Oh, no. <laughs> I often feel like I missed my calling in life. I should have been like a chauffeur. I think I would have been good at it. No, you should have been like a drive-away car. What's a drive-away car? Like, like a getaway guy? Yeah. Like a, like a wheel man and y- a fucking yeah. bank job? Yeah. What <laughs> fucking alternate horrible future you wishing on me were like, you should be a criminal. That's what you'd, you'd be You'd be really at. good at it. Crime. You'd be pretty great. <laughs> Driving away, maybe. Actually, no. I don't know how I'd be under pursuit. Like, I might, like, choke under pursuit and be like, uh, I'm going to pull over now. And I'm like, <laughs> if you fucking pull over, we're going to put a bullet in your head. I'm like, I know. I, I can't do it. That'd be pretty funny. Um. All right. Well, we've successfully not talked about veganism <laughs> for a good 10 minutes now. But Where's your driver, I should say? I, I think I've given up. That motherfucker just opened the window, hissed your drink into the street, and drove away screaming, crying. I think so. I just heard a door. Paul S.? Has Paul S. arrived? You might have given up hope too soon because it sounds like Paul S. is here (laughs) with your smoothie. I placed this order like two hours ago. I feel bad for whoever answers the door for Paul S. He's going to be like, thanks. I know. (laughs) Why don't you try living somewhere a little easier next time? Fucking jerk. Have a Postmates day. I'm sorry, Paul S. Um, Will that mean your drink will be joining us soon? I think so. So we'll actually be able to hear you ingesting veganism on the show. Wow. Yeah. going to new lengths slaughtering that plant food and fucking putting it in your gut i hear a car pulling away and he's leaving with <laughs> my smoothie yeah he's like fuck this i rang no one answered oh my god uh paul s you're uh you're a champion thanks for getting it <laughs> you're a champion thanks um okay um, I have an appropriate question to the guest this week. I'm ingesting plants as we speak. I know. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> what? Do you have a question for me? I have a question. Let me slaughter your misinformation and butcher your bullshit. Go ahead. Um, well, I, I, I actually don't even know your opinion on this. Oh. But first I have to explain who our guest is this week because the question is relevant to the guest. Um, fair enough. Who is our guest this week? Our guest? Well, our guest's 
plural. Guests, so with an S on the end there? With an S on you the end. You said that in a kind of Drew Barrymore way, lispy, where I was like, did she say plural or something? You're like, our guests, <laughs> are they like flower? Then I don't know. Hey. That's my Drew Barrymore. I love her. <laughs> um, you sound a little bit like her in that second. You could have pulled off fucking Gertie. I really love her In E.T. Now that I think about it, you would have been a good Gertie, I missed man. my chance. I wasn't alive. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's true. They pulled that shit off in like 1979, 1980. But um, all right. Who are our plural guests? Your um, guests, I should say. I never feel like they're my guests. They're your guests. It's your fucking show. Who'd you talk to this week, kid? <laughs> I spoke to uh, two of my best friends, Meg and Comey Vora. They are sisters and they have a vegan fashion line called Delicate Rain. So we spoke about the ethics of vegan fashion fashion but they also just dropped some facts on me which i was absolutely shocked about they slaughtered misinformation and butchered your bullshit i think they did more than any guest has yet to so i'm pretty excited um so the question that i got Mm -hmm. from their username on instagram is oh it's like o-o-h underscore vanessa okay oh Oh, vanessa Vanessa. (laughs) Um, they said that they had been a hundred percent vegan since, uh, July 26. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Welcome to the club. But then they were asking, I have a handful of designer leather bags and I'm not sure how to handle them. Do I give them away? Keep them? Destroy them? My answer for the question, definitely don't destroy them because lives were already lost to make those products. Right. So it, makes sense. it would be kind of counterproductive to throw them away or destroy them. So what does one do? I've seen you fucking raid your closets and get rid of a lot of mm-hmm. shit. I think that you should either give them to friends or people you know who still wear animal products. So do they're you like continuing the life. Live with it! Murderer! <laughs> or... <laughs> Uh, you could try to sell them to secondhand stores, and then with the money that you get from it, you can use it to buy vegan replacements for it, mm-hmm. which is what I did. I sold a ton of my leather and suede shoes and everything like that, and then I used the money to replace it with vegan alternatives. So, and what do they make vegan alternative clothes clothes out of? For leather? Yeah. Well, there are tons. Is that of the only things. thing you really have to replace in oh, clothing? Oh no, 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 no. What else is there? There is. You're like, well, I I used to have a cow teeth bikini, and I can't wear that. <laughs> what do they make? What do, other than leather? What part of the animal goes into clothing? So there's leather. There's wool. There's oh, that's right. So you don't skin. you can't fuck with wool either because it's like no. you can't take that little lamb's fur. That not your fur. That that lamb's mm-hmm. fur. They use all sorts of animals from clothing and shit. Yes, as you will find out in the interview. From Megan Comey. Very disturbing. They're yes. Like, People wear fish as shoes. <laughs> they stick their foot in a fishy mouth and they walk around and it's wrong. As shoes? <laughs> I'm wearing a couple of flounders on my feet and it's wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so wait, uh, you're my, what is, I'm, I'm still trying to boil down. What is the question you want to ask me? What's your opinion on wearing animal products? And what would you do when faced with that situation? Would you destroy it? Would you give it away? Let's just be glad that jorts are not made of an animal. Thank God. Because otherwise (laughs) I'd be like, sorry, kiddo, I'm going to wear the fuck out of this narwhal jorts. I would say, let me see. I don't, 
I don't wear a belt, so I don't really truck in leather. You know, mm-hmm. um, Silent Bob once wore like a leather, long leather jacket in um, mall rats, but generally, mostly it's been cloth and shit. I mean, I can't say one of those jackets wasn't wool. One of the long coats, rather, was definitely wool. The dog one is so hot. Um, but then they started making it of a lighter material. Um, I'm not sure. The Silent Bob coat. It probably My, has an animal product in it. You think so? Mm-hmm. Well, I ain't going nowhere. I know. <laughs> That's how you eat. You know, I mean, now that I'm vegan, yeah, I'd, I'd probably like get it, get you know, get it out of there, I guess. it's. I mean, it's kind of an easy ask because i don't really have anything leather in my mm-hmm. world maybe my phone case but i think that's fake as well there's also like furniture that is made of animal products yeah there's so many not things. in this house though we got any leather couches in this house or something that i'm gonna wear mm-hmm. where upstairs there's a leather couch. Ca- oh my god that is leather isn't it and i had an argument with mom because i was like did oh, you really oh. like every time i see that and i hear the death cry of a cow i was like i don't Moo. i don't want this i hate Moo. this i like get this out <laughs> but she but her point was it's a, a very expensive couch so that was her point you're like your money means nothing to your ethics mother and then ran away mm-hmm. um well wh- isn't that a case of like it's already been bought the cow's already dead yeah. like and she's not like there's no sign on it that says you know this we proudly kill the cow for this couch but I would so much rather sell it and get a new couch she don't want that isn't that. made of leather. Yeah, I, I, well, it's so weird. I mean, I guess that technically I own that, but mm-hmm. I'm, as you're well aware, not in control of my own life. Obviously, yeah. your <laughs> mom makes all the decisions. So, yeah, that's what an interesting ethical question. I thought I was in the clear. I was, I was like, there's really no you're animal. not in the clear. Anyways. <laughs> I am the leather lass. I hunt for leisure, I point it out, and I say, wrong! And then I go about my day. I mean, I, I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a job? Can I get that job? I would do that job. That doesn't sound bad. Um, well, apparently we're going to hear all about it from uh, the very famous Megan Comey. Meg space ampersand space. Comey. Comey. Our guests, Harley's guests today, kick back and listen. Harley had to dig deep to find these two fucking guests. She just looked in her phone book and talked to a couple My friends. phone book? I mean, is that what the kids call it these days? Nope. Um, here, without further ado, are two of the most vegan fucks you'll ever meet. Hi, you guys. Hi. <laughs> Um, I'm so happy you're here. Obviously, you are two of my best friends, but you're also such an incredible creative duo. And this is the first episode that we're talking about fashion. So who better to start it off with than you guys? Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. And we're so happy to be here. Oh, I know. No. You know how much we love you. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, so obviously, I already know this answer. But for our listeners, can you both explain your journey with veganism, how you got here? Um, okay. So veganism from a diet standpoint actually started um, with us being raised vegetarian. So our parents raised Comey and I fully vegetarian. Um, 
fun little fact. I know, Hari, you know this, but we've actually never tasted meat before. Oh, um, so awesome. <laughs> yeah. So whenever people want us to compare it to, you know, whatever, we're like, we have no idea. Yeah. So that's basically where the veganism started because our dad was raised Jain and our mother was raised Hindu. So both of those lifestyles have deep roots to compassion. Jainism follows a lifestyle based on the principles of ahimsa, which basically translates to no harm or violence towards any living being. And um, Hinduism promotes, you know, deep levels of compassion as well. And so we were just kind of raised in this household, just kind of told from early on that, you know, it's one love and you give animals and the planet the same respect that you give human beings. I wish everybody thought that way. That's a pretty good way of going about life. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then like, so, so the diet side was always there because we were raised vegetarian. And then, um, organically, like as we started growing up, there was certain things that we just like eliminated from our diet without like fully trying to be vegan. Yeah. Um, and then it just like went full force. We became vegan. And then as we were shopping, you know, we started realizing that there were, especially in the luxury department, we started realizing that clothes that we wanted to purchase, they weren't made animal free. Mm -hmm. And we started questioning why that was. So we thought like, you know what, we felt so guilty after a while, because once we started doing more research for the company, we realized how many how much animals were, you know, slaughtered and um, treated poorly and just sacrificed in the name of fashion, basically. And you know, to kind of like stay in line with the veganism part, it's like, like Comey was saying, the diet part was completely there and made sense. But once you start trying to incorporate more of this like animal friendly way of existing you kind of realize how much it trickles into other parts of your life and we kind of wanted to figure out the best way to move forward with that so you know we don't want to necessarily give up style or like give up you know wanting nice things or liking nice things at the expense of you know our ethics and moral responsibilities so we were kind of found ourselves at this crossroad yeah that i mean it's so interesting i was just thinking before we started how many different levels of misconception or misinformation there are to vegan fashion like first of all one of the biggest misinformations about vegan fashion is that it can't be fashionable which yeah, <laughs> totally 100%. you two yeah. obviously prove that that is a false information absolutely <laughs> thank you <laughs> you guys are so cute but then there's also the misinformation and i want to talk about both of these things but the misinformation of what vegan fashion is because i didn't even realize that some fabrics or some materials weren't even vegan so there's misinformation within the vegan community i feel like and outside of the vegan community definitely i mean i think a lot of it also depends on where you're getting your information and how you're getting the information because you know nowadays we're just oversaturated with so many things thrown at us so you kind of have to like 
do the work and figure out what's right and what's wrong. But one thing that is accurate is actual facts, like stats that have been done that have like been put out there by these people that are either working undercover in these houses and bringing back the footage. And, you know, that's not made up. That doesn't lie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to pay attention to sources that are actually credited and people that are doing the work, not because they're like being forced to do it, but because they actually want to do it. And those are the people that are going to give you the most, not only factual, but beneficial information because it's coming from a place of good, not greed. Um, And I think to kind of go back to, what was the other question? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was a great point. That makes, that, that makes absolute sense. And I, brought up two points at once so (laughs) forgive me i got i got excited um the other misinformation that i brought up was that vegan fashion can't be cute yes that was like a big thing for us too because you know like we said growing up it was always more about the diet like even though we were raised jane and jane does like talk about how animals are sacrificed for like clothing and other areas it didn't really identify with us because we were practicing more of just the food component of it. Mm. But then once we started growing up and, you know, it wasn't until something clicked and we were like, you know what, how come like this luxury bag is only made of like crocodile skin or why Mm -hmm. is luxury perceived from an animal derived product? And why can't something be made without harming the animal, but still cool and stylish and like swaggy and something that we would actually want to wear. And once we realized we couldn't find that on the market is when we decided we need to make that into existence. And we also wanted to change not only the perception of what cruelty-free clothing looks like, because there is a big stigma, you know, if people think that it's like ugly or it's cheap. Mm. Or uh, granola and vanilla. Yeah. The aesthetic side of it doesn't really exist. Yeah. Um, Exactly. So not only do we want to change the perception of cruelty-free fashion, but we also wanted to redefine what luxury is as well. Like we want to just redefine the rules. Who even is making these benchmarks. No, yeah. I mean, it's really about just barreling down these boundaries that have been put into place and we don't even understand why they were put into place in the first place. You know, back, back, back when it was like a complete necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in order to survive or exist as a result of just your conditions in the environment, you kind of needed to have like animals be a part of the equation. But now in 2020, There's just so many options and so many... Like innovative textiles. Yeah. And not just in the fashion side, the food side, home furnishing, beauty. Like you're just... Every industry is just making such amazing strides towards making it a better place, not just for us, but for like the animals and the environment. And for us not to be a part of that is just astonishing and it doesn't mean like all or nothing like baby steps is completely fine we Mm -hmm. need everyone doing things imperfectly right now so we can perfectly come together (laughs) totally that's so true and i think that honestly applies to every aspect of veganism because i feel like a rebuttal that i often get is people saying well 
we're meant to be carnivores, like we're meant to eat meat and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, maybe so long ago when we had to wear bear skins as clothing and like uh. electricity wasn't a thing or whatever, like whatever the fuck. But we've evolved out of, of that stage of humanity. So, I mean, yeah, maybe at one point we were carnivores, but like now we have the luxury to choose. Do we want to be carnivorous? Do we want to be omnivores, herbivores? Like, I mean, here's the thing. We can't obviously, just even with everything that's happening in the world right now and whatnot, we can't technically obviously speak for everyone when we say, you know, people should be doing this or they should be doing that because it's not about like shaming culture and making people mm -hmm. feel bad for things that they may not be able to access freely. Absolutely. And I, it is definitely, you said um, a very good point. It is a luxury to be able to choose and that's not lost on any of us. But I think really just like educating and making the information accessible for people so they can try to make other decisions is important rather than making people feel bad or, you know, people kind of feel turned off sometimes because they feel like they have to be doing everything or they're going to not be able to be a part of the club. And I think we need to let everyone know that, no, this isn't an exclusive club. This is an inclusive club. Right. We, <laughs> we so want true. everyone to join. It's true. We want everyone to join and we're not judging you if your contributions are smaller than some of us. I pretty much say this every single episode of this show, but anything you can contribute to veganism is so appreciated and welcomed. And it's not all or nothing. Like you said, there are so many aspects to veganism and any amount you contribute means something and it, it helps. Absolutely. And I think that that's just if there's any takeaway from any conversation, um, that we ever have with people when it comes down to either diet, fashion, beauty, whatever aspect of it you're trying to incorporate, that's what it needs to be. Like be proud of the small strides you're making as proud as the big strides because they all count. They're all going towards the same thing. Absolutely. It all contributes to the same goal and any amount that you can contribute helps us get closer to that goal of ending animal cruelty. So it's all appreciated and it all exactly. counts. Um, you know, one thing I did want to mention going back, I mean, this is a beautiful tangent that we all went off on. <laughs> I know. I don't even <laughs> recall where it started, but yes. Um, is, you know, going back to the whole misconception and misinformation about, you know, animal textiles in the industry. So one thing that we've been doing a lot more research on too, because it's just mind boggling is um, anybody that I mean, obviously, okay, so the fur industry is one thing, like we're all very aware of the cruelty behind that. And I think it's kind of just become like a thing across the board that people are not really like messing with that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the big one to tackle still is leather and obviously lots of controversy there, you know, is it a byproduct or a co-product? Right. Also. And then it's also like, okay, well, it's vegan leather. It's better for the animals, but is it necessarily better for the planet? That's yeah, like another true. really big conversation that takes place. But one thing that a lot of people don't realize is the leather industry doesn't discriminate when it comes to what animal it's coming from. So a lot of times, what? yeah, so if you are getting a leather jacket, right, and it's made overseas, primarily from the Asian countries, 
that's where most of our leather comes from. And when I say our, I mean like in the United States. Yeah. So what usually ends up happening is cows, alligators, and snakes are usually the most common sources of leather for fashion companies. And about 65% is always going to come from cows or, you know, some sort of bovine type of animal. But what a lot of people don't realize is that in that, because it's coming from overseas, a lot of times the animal skins are mislabeled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was- what? Yeah. So your leather jacket that you think is coming from a cow or a lamb might actually be from a dog or a cat. No way. For real? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't want to totally like call out countries or anything, but there was a study that had been done and it was saying that, um, you know, China has had trouble with the mislabeling of their animal skins and their products and whatnot. And a lot of that leather is actually dogs and cats. Yeah, that's happened a few times. Wow. Right. And then, well, here's the other thing. It's like leather isn't just like, oh, let's like take the hide off an animal and then here we go, we're sewing it up. It has to go through a process, right? Like it needs to be tanned, it needs to be colored and dyed and whatnot. So once that happens, it's nearly impossible to tell what animal the skin came from. And so that's how they're able to kind of like get away with it. And it's cheaper to do it like that too, a lot of times. And just to piggyback off on when you're talking about tannery workers, then you get into a whole different conversation about how the tannery workers are actually getting harmed. And a lot of these children are the workers behind this and they're actually getting sick and, you know, all kinds of skin diseases, skin disorders. And some of them won't even live up to the age of 50 because they're, you know, they're exposed to all this toxic chemicals. Yeah, by like working in these tanneries. You guys are blowing my mind. I I had no I didn't have an idea about any of this. This is blowing my mind completely. This is like I mean, I feel like honestly, as since I have become a vegan and changed my diet, my wardrobe, my cosmetics, I've obviously, you know, spread the word around town, around my around my friends and stuff about my opinions. Um, but every, pretty much everyone knows my opinions about veganism. But sometimes when I've brought up my opinions on leather, people don't even know that leather is supposed to be from a cow. Like a lot of people actually just have no idea what it is because it's so normalized and it's just like your average material because it's no, everywhere. Absolutely. Well, I mean, leathers, it's like as popular as denim. It's just like a staple in every single person's wardrobe. And it's not even just fashion. I mean, we can even talk about the automobile industry, right? You know, even in furniture, like there's so many things that leather's used for and it's still the same process. The animal's still going through the same thing. Exactly. There's like always like a level of like cruelty and suffering that's affiliated with that. But fashion especially. So the stat is, is that raw leather or finished products from China is estimated to be about 2 million cats and dogs worth of products that are killed for their skins to be labeled as leather. That's pretty nuts. 
I had no idea. And I feel like if more people knew that, that's such a huge hypocrisy because, and this is like a conversation I don't often like to have because people have specific opinions about it, but you know, there's a lot of people in the United States who frown upon other countries eating dog. Or here in the US, it's, it's a very like taboo thing to to eat a dog because dogs are man's best friend or whatever the fuck but in my eyes since i've become a vegan i now kind of see how that way of thinking is pretty hypocritical because why is eating a dog any different from eating a cow cows very much resemble just big giant puppies like they they act the same a lot of the time they love to play obviously they're gigantic way bigger than a dog but you know they they're super playful just like dogs and they're so sweet and so loving so it's kind of like why is eating a dog any different than eating a cow just because here in the united states we've normalized having a dog as a pet loving one animal but eating the other just because they're different species so i wonder if people would feel along the same lines finding out that their leather can be from a dog or a cat these animals that we've for some reason decided should be the one and only pet and then other animals should be you know treated cruelly and not cared about at all but i wonder if people would have the same way of thinking about leather yeah because just piggybacking off of what you're saying it's more of a conditioned habit or like a psychological Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say that yeah it's like you're programmed to think you know a dog and a cat is my pet, pet, right. right. And like other animals are okay to eat because they give you this much protein or whatever it is, you know, or like, this is like a delicacy or, you know, Um, but I mean, us growing up as vegetarians, it's, it's very straightforward. All animals, you you know, you just don't eat them, you know, they're all (laughs) created equally, but Mm -hmm. someone to grow up and have eaten meat and then they have a dog as a pet. I can see where, yeah, I feel like it would make a very big impact on them if they knew that, Hey, by the way, that leather jacket that's hanging in your closet yeah that that comes from a dog that's Frankie that's your dog I think that might really serve as like shell shock if anything like we kind of um went into it a little bit like on Instagram like we talked about it we had up a little post and whatnot and people were horrified they were like what are you talking about literally what your reaction was and I think that's when it kind of clicked like yo wait a second I need to maybe start paying attention to where it's coming from. What am I buying? What is this exactly made of? Like, what's the origin? You know, I think that's like planting the seeds to kind of get that bigger conversation going. Um, just so people start paying attention at the end of the day, that's literally what you need is you need people to a be aware and then translate that awareness into paying attention. Right. And then hopefully that would make them be more conscious consumers and take that knowledge and make better purchasing decisions the next time they are to go look for a jacket or a scrub or whatever it is. Right. Wow. You guys are slaughtering so much misinformation, by the way. Like, so much. (laughs) I think it's important to, like, if you know it, pass it along. That's the best gift you can give anyone. Right? Absolutely. That's so true. And and both of you are so outspoken and use your platform in such an amazing way. It's so important that we are kind of just spreading the word because, I mean, I didn't know for the longest time that what I was doing was 
cruel to animals. I had no idea that by eating turkey and chicken, I was, you know, even eating a, a being that was once alive. Like, you're taught to just forget that and not even associate meat or leather, any, any type of thing for, you're taught to forget that that was once a living being. And so I don't really blame anybody for it. I once thought that way. Most people think that way until they're told otherwise, which is the important part. Yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, like what you said, it's all of us, like as we are raised and whatnot, it's not like, you know, everyone's parents try to do the best that they can too. And the thing is like fashion, food, all that is looked at as objects. Those aren't looked at as things that are on the same level as our state of existence, right? So even though we think a cow and a dog, okay, we know that they're both animals, but we obviously prioritize and see one in a higher light than um, we do with the other because we look at that as like, that's not my friend. That's my dinner. That's my purse. Right, right. Like that's mm-hmm. not my family member. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't also realize that going back to what you were saying, that leather is not a byproduct of the meat industry. It's a co-product. Exactly. Like they um, actually get a higher profit margin when they sell cow hides for leather consumption rather than for meat. Because if you, you know, each head of cattle just sold for meat is about $3 a head where hides can fetch like three to six times that amount. So it's way more profitable to raise animals for leather to be done up in fashionable accessories and clothing and whatnot than it is to like be sold for food. Wait, a cow or a, or a bovine or whatever sold for food is sold for $3? Um, Yeah. So basically... They're saying um, in comparison to hides, hides are much more profitable than the cow's meat itself. So the cow's meat is what you're eating like in your burgers or in your food, whatever you're buying at the grocery store. But the hides is what we're using um, when they're tanning and coloring it. And that's what's actually being sewn into product to wear. Right. Like purses, shoes, clothing. Yeah. Or like seats and like, you know, cars and whatnot. So gross. Or like even like your couch or, you know, like different aspects of furniture. Yeah. There's so many places where it's used and people don't realize that that's where they're making a killing. Literally. Mm-hmm. Pun intended. True. <laughs> yeah. True. Oh my gosh. Ew, that's so gross though. When you think about like we use it for furniture we're sitting on this dead animal Ugh, it's so gross but also like that's so nuts that a, the value of a living being for their life is three dollars that's so upsetting but anyways i can't even think about that right now yeah like in big like factory farms and stuff like that you know like in the bigger oh like, yeah right? yeah but what you were saying was that leather is not a byproduct or the hide is not a byproduct of the meat industry it's a totally different industry so it's not even like the same cow is being used for meat and for leather right right yeah right. it's a co-product so some of these animals are just being raised specifically for to produce these garments yeah and hey if they can like get a cut for the meat as well amazing but like we said because the profit margins aren't as high they would much prefer to raise the animals for fashion 
fuck, man. Cows can't catch a break. Cows, I think cows have it the worst out of all the animals because, like, we as humans have really just learned to take everything. Oh, my God. And milk? Oh, fuck. Oh, I know. I know. Holy shit. I didn't even ever put all three together at the same time. Meat, milk, and their skin? We literally take every single part of the cow. But it's not even like humans figured out an efficient way to take all three or even two from the same animal humans had to make it even fucking worse because we're just awful and now we have three separate industries so even a a bigger number of cows have to suffer and die at the hands of humans that is just in so many ways messed up i know yeah i mean there's no undoing what we've done we can just try to move forward in the best way possible And, you know, just stop contributing to the problem. Try to figure out how you can be on the solution side of things. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So I I have a few more misinformations or misconceptions. That's the word I've been looking for. Misconceptions that I would like to. No, isn't I I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I have a few more things that I want your opinion on because you two are so smart and you're blowing my mind. Um. So the first thing is, what is your opinion on secondhand animal products? So obviously, all three of us love a thrift store, love a vintage store. Um, (laughs) Obviously, most of my clothes, I would say probably 95% of my closet is secondhand clothes. And I know you guys have a ton as well. So what is your opinion on getting let's just say a leather jacket from a secondhand store or a vintage store would it still be considered not vegan in your opinion or is it any better what are your thoughts to answer the vegan component of it no obviously if it's leather it's not vegan however you're helping to solve a different problem by purchasing a secondhand leather jacket so if you're going in there because you're trying to veganize your wardrobe Maybe that's not the place to start. But I think if you're going in there with the mindset of, hey, I'm becoming a much more conscious shopper. I want to like have things that I know that I love and I'm going to keep reusing. And this is going to stop me from buying brand new. Then I think that's a wonderful place to start. Right. Because the animal, unfortunately, has already been killed at this point. It's already gone through the process. Mm -hmm. It's already been manufactured. The workers, every level of care that you could have taken prior to, it's kind of already taken place. So the only way you can contribute to making that better is by buying it secondhand, keeping it in your closet and constantly wearing it. And if something happens to it and you love it that much, then getting it repaired rather than throwing it away because you're keeping it out of the landfill. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot different going to like, you know, a store that's not secondhand and specifically requesting and buying an actual leather jacket. Because then that's like, you know, you're casting a vote saying, okay, I'm demanding more of this product. So I need it more like the marketplace. But if it's in a secondhand shop, it's a little different because even if you're purchasing it, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, they're going to reproduce it. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And I love what you said about trying to be a more conscious shopper rather than a vegan shopper, because there's definitely a difference. And obviously, if you are adopting a more vegan lifestyle than you 
do have this conscious mindset. But people who may not be ready to take it all the way to veganism and mm -hmm. make their life 100% vegan, it's a really awesome step to just become more conscious and not contribute to fast fashion, obviously, but not contribute to even more production of animal products. Just rather use what's already been made. Like, yeah, like you said, these animals have already died and these products were already made and they already had a, a first home. So now you're just giving it a second home and giving it a longer lifespan so it's more environmentally friendly than buying something totally new. Right. Yeah. You know, the thing that's interesting about veganism is there's so many different factors into veganism, right? Like there's like the food and the fashion and then the interior and the car and all the different types of industries. But if you really look at it, it's a diet per industry, right? So it's like we recreated this philosophy called the wardrobe diet. And so basically, like if anyone wanted to dress more sustainable or vegan, there's certain things that you can look for. And it's the same thing, right? If you're if you're following a diet, what do you usually look for? Like, if especially if it's a vegan diet, you're reading labels. And that's the same thing. But you're just now looking at the clothing labels versus, you know, behind a food box. And mm. that would help people, whether it wants to be sustainable or vegan, there's key components you can look for that, you know, maybe you, you don't want to transition your wardrobe completely, but you want to be aware of certain things the next time you're out at a store and you're buying something or you're shopping online. How can I, you know, maybe today I feel like buying at least one t-shirt, kind of like a meatless Monday, but for my wardrobe, you know, mm. and I want to purchase something. How, what can I, what can I do? And if you look, you know, just as simple as reading labels can help someone make that transition. And by one t-shirt, it's like already saving. What was the stuff? Oh, it was yeah. The amount of water needed to make a new t-shirt is enough for one person to stay hydrated. Wait for it for 900 days. What? Wait, yeah. seriously? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for one t-shirt? Mm -hmm. Yep. So when you really start thinking about stuff like that, you're like, yo, where is the nearest Goodwill? Or Seriously, man. <laughs> um, or, or you're familiarizing yourself with like what Comey was saying by reading labels and understanding what kind of textiles have much more of a higher carbon footprint than other textiles do and then making the conscious choice to go with a less you know harmful scenario and make sure it's something that you absolutely love save up for something that mm -hmm. has been really well constructed it's not about running into the nearest fast fashion shop and buying 30 things so you can hurry up and get a good ig flick you know <laughs> Right. <laughs> sure. It might be, you know, sometimes people are like, they get scared of maybe the price because they're, they don't want to put out as much in the beginning. But in the long run, you're actually saving because if you're buying something that's like $8, how many times are you going to replace that garment? Mm. Exactly. And what the hell was the cost of that garment? Like how yeah. many people I mean, right. and animals and the planet, how many resources went into making that? That's a whole, we can literally have another five hour conversation just on the sustainability and ethics side of fashion. That's so true. And environmentalism is such a huge part of veganism. It's one of the reasons why people turn vegan the most to benefit the environment, to help contribute to stopping climate change and to reverse 
the horrible things that we have done to this planet. So it's such a valuable and important conversation to have. Like that fact blew my mind. Uh, the 900 days of water in one shirt. That's so nuts. And nobody knows that fact. Like, I, I would like to say that you are probably part of a s extremely excruciatingly small percentage of people who know that little tidbit of information, because if we all knew, we would hopefully make a change or more people would be willing to give up fast fashion because that's just horrifying. Right. So that is primarily speaking to the textiles. So t-shirts and whatnot that are constructed out of textiles that are just straight harmful for the planet, like stuff that isn't made out of already recycled fabric, isn't dead stock fabric, isn't, you know, secondhand, whatever. It's more like it was virgin yarn that was knitted and it's not even organic or anything else. So there's like a differentiation there too, right? So mm -hmm. when you talk about fast fashion, definitely that's what that stat's going to go towards. Now, somebody that is taking the right steps to when they are creating new products, so companies that are actually focusing on having sustainability or animal-free textiles and components of eco-friendliness in their supply chain, that's different. You know, if you're going to buy something new, then those are the type of people that you want to look to and support. People that are putting in the time and effort to make sure that their workers are paid fairly, there's proper working conditions and a right environment. The textiles that are being used are not virgin per se, because maybe they were made out of other pre-existing recycled materials, or it's dead stock fabric, or you're going to the mills that have these second hand and overrun roles and you're saying, hey, what are you going to do with those? You're throwing them away. Well, actually, let me just buy them off you and let me just make limited quantities now out of these roles. And there's just like a different way of doing things, you know, and that's also like a bonus for the consumer as well, because they're also getting a limited piece. So not everybody's wearing the same garment as you. It's something unique. Absolutely. You know, we all just like need to break that stigma against rewearing and then thinking like, oh my gosh, like if you think that you don't want to, you want to stand out, then how are you going to run into your favorite little fast fashion shop and know that 80 other people have the exact same thing? So well, true. Yeah. I think the pressure though for the whole fast fashion is social media though, because everyone's like, I don't want to be seen in the same outfit. I already snapped my flick. Like I can't be seen with that outfit on anymore, you know? Dude, the stat is 41% of people that are aged 18 to 25 feel the pressure to wear a different outfit every time they go out. And that's 47% of females. Damn. Like one in 10 shoppers, okay, buy clothing only to take a photo for social media. Oh, yikes. I, I rewear the same shirt like every day. I feel like <laughs> I, I wash it like every few I days. I all the same boat. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's nuts. But like, but you're right. I mean, I definitely have had that thought process at times, obviously not right now at this point in time. Um, but when I'm going out and stuff, I, I do always want to like 
wear something different that like I didn't wear with this friend or whatever. For some reason, there's like, there's this idea in the back of my head where I'm like, oh, I should wear something different. I want to have a new fashionable outfit or whatever. It is kind of weird. A hundred percent. Yeah, because we've created disposable culture in every way. Like people don't value clothing and fabric and construction anymore. It's just kind of like the throwaway culture. Like one in six people don't want to rewear something that's been seen on social media. Okay, where, where how, how do you keep up with that? I would like to understand. <laughs> how do you? How really? How do you keep up with that? That that's a lot. But it's interesting because I feel like the perception on wearing the same handbag or shoes is acceptable. Like people will actually do that. But、that's、when it comes to the actual like clothing, people are like, "Oh, I can't wear that same thing." And it's like, well, if it's an investment piece and it's as much as you know a very expensive handbag that you're rocking, like why does that matter? You literally took the words out of my mouth. And that's also <laughs> where people tend to spend the majority of their money. Is there? Down to spend X number of dollars on a handbag or X number of dollars on a great pair of shoes, but oh my gosh, not on my leggings or you know my、yeah. a good quality jacket. That's so interesting. Timeless, yeah, for sure. Exactly. I mean, more so than ever, like our、uh, not ours, but the fashion industry in general's return rate. Are、um, up ninety five percent than from five years ago,、Whoa. and that's totally just from this social media and consumption culture. You know, we just can't consume fast enough, and the second it's like even thrown on, and forget your IG feed at this point. Even if it's on stories, people are like, "Oh, I already did a swipe up. I need to, you know, <laughs> get、wow. another." Game plan or whatever. <laughs> That's nuts. I, I mean, you do need to come back super soon because we can talk about this forever, honestly. And there are so many aspects. But I want to ask you another specific question before you leave because I've heard many different things and many different opinions about this. And I honestly don't even know what my opinion is on this. But what what do you think of silk? Is it cruel? Is it Okay. It, also, like, what is it? Can you explain what it is? <laughs> so, silk is actually not considered vegan because the process is the short answer to that would be they boil the actual silkworms to make the fabric. Oh wow!、Um, but they do have alternatives right now. So you know they have、um, other textiles right now, like they have ahimsa silk, they have banana silk. Cactus silk,、um, pineapple silk. So、loaded. why wouldn't people just use that? Is it more expensive, or do people just not want to change? So I think that as consumers continue to demand for that type of product, it can become much more easily accessible. And readily available. What's interesting about the ones that, like Comey and I just named off, is that they're actually biodegradable, whereas other sometimes alternatives may be synthetic, and they're not hitting the sustainability factor. So I think right now. People are really, really interested in obviously becoming conscious consumers, but from what we've noticed, it's more like on the sustainability side versus on the animal side. So it's kind of like important for everyone to get them as equally important.、Mm. But I think some of these 
are just available in certain styles. So it's, you know, important for all of us to kind of continue to vote with our wallets and create that demand. And it's, you know, this is an interesting um, question, Harley, because the silk is actually one of the number one fabrics for Indian attire, like traditional Indian attire. Mm -hmm. And so when we made the transition, I remember shopping in India and every time we would try to buy a new sari or Indian outfit, like they're offering you like the finest silks, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we were on a hunt. We were like, you know what? Yes, we, we love this design. We love this style, but we need it made in like non silk or like yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's just because silk is more readily available. That's why people just end up using that, mm. and the other ones just aren't as known. And I do believe that they are more expensive just because the demand isn't fully there yet. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of like leather. It's like everyone just knows the quality. They know what they're going to get. They love the way that it feels Mm -hmm. like the hand is there. It works Mm -hmm. in so many different styles. So it's just one of those things that um, is also a staple in so many people's wardrobes. Yeah. And another thing is it's like if you don't know, right, if you're not aware that silk is not vegan you're not going to look for an alternative absolutely Mm, that's so true because a lot of people don't know like i said a lot of people who i've spoken to didn't even know about leather and i feel to me i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong and maybe it's just my point of view but right under fur it seems like leather is the most obvious that it's an animal product but silk is kind of like, well, where did this come from? It, and it's weird. Like, I didn't even fully know really what silk was until you just said that the worms were burned alive. I knew that silk came from a worm, but I had no idea that they were burned in the process. And I didn't even know what the process looked like. So I think so many people don't really understand. And also, again, we we could talk about this for forever, but people don't really know why why wool is cruel or mm-hmm. um like suede there's all yeah. these different products and they all have different processes and they all that come from different places so it's a lot to keep track of and it's a lot to be always looking for alternatives i mean it's not a lot because we all do it but like <laughs> it's very doable but there is a lot that you have to keep track of or keep account of because you could accidentally be buying an animal product so easily Without, totally. yeah absolutely i mean just think about it with fur for instance it's everyone knew that that's actually coming from an animal but just took just take a look at how many years it took for all the laws to actually go through and be enforced and ban it mm. so we're there. You know what I mean? Like if we can get rid of fur, we are on the track to like yeah. <laughs> veganizing everything. Right. <laughs> right. That's so true. And fur, I mean, fur, I think is like an entire subject in itself, but fur is yeah. obviously something that is being more shunned or looked upon negatively by a, a greater amount of people. I would say like in the last few years or so, I I have found that many more people are realizing that they should not wear fur because you're wearing an animal's skin. But then again, so is leather and that's extremely normalized. So it is kind of like, sure, you might not wear fur, but you're still wearing a cow's skin. So it's kind of like, "Mm." but again, any anything to contribute is good. But it's just interesting that fur, it's become a popular topic. So many more people are aware of what it is, but the same thing hasn't really happened for 
the rest of animal products yet. I think a lot of that also goes into um, what we were talking about earlier in this conversation, the psychological aspect of it. Like when you look at fur, it's literally like, oh, I can pet it, right? Like mm. it, visually you see that. With leather, you're not visually mm-hmm. seeing how this might have been attached to an animal because there's so many processes that go into the way that it looks that the end product doesn't it's not very reminiscent of what you would see just walking in the field unless you're like looking at colors or something you know totally right and i also just want to mention really fast that i really like that you brought it up before saying how not necessarily all vegan options are sustainable or good for the environment. Obviously, there are a lot of things to still figure out. Just because you're using a animal alternative like vegan leather, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily sourced from a sustainable place. I always, always get people on my Instagram using the rebuttal of, well, this vegan product isn't good for the environment. So are you really being compassionate towards all living beings or are you really living a cruelty-free, like, quote, cruelty-free, end quote, lifestyle or are you being hypocritical? So it really is such a huge conversation because the way that the world works now is it's impossible to live a cruelty-free lifestyle. There's the point that you can't really live a cruelty-free lifestyle if you are flying in an airplane or even driving a car because you're obviously still polluting. So unless you live a life of which you don't really go anywhere except on foot and don't contribute to any big businesses, you grow your own food, what have you. I mean, I'm sure there's still a way that you're impacting the environment negatively somehow, but it would be so difficult. By being alive, you're impacting the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Let's like really be clear here, because if you're alive, somehow, some way, you're using a resource that means someone else does not have is being depleted of that. You see what I mean? Mm. So there's no like one size fits all like solution here. Um, And the important thing is like not to feel overwhelmed. I feel like there's actually so many factors you can go into and then it just discourages someone not to like make any type of transition. Absolutely. Or even take a step, you know? So it's kind of like you got to first see what identifies and resonates with you first and then slowly, if you want to continue forward with it, you know, but it's not an all or nothing like we've been all saying yeah and i think that is so important to keep in mind for people who are interested in veganism it's not an all or nothing sort of situation anything you can contribute or any small step counts and you guys prove that with your amazing brand in fashion line delicate rain we didn't even really like even go into that even too much so really we have to we have to have another conversation there are just so many tangents that we can go on but before we end i i will just reiterate that my beautiful friends meg and comivora have an incredible vegan fashion line called delicate rain they're on instagram you have your own website you're you're doing so many things and you have such amazing beautiful vegan products that are so fashionable and prove to anybody who thinks that maybe vegan fashion isn't cute. You just prove them wrong right away with 
all of your clothes. Thank you so much. That's delicate with a K, not a C. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, well, thank you guys so much for coming on and seriously slaughtering so much misinformation and butchering so much bullshit. It's nuts what you just taught me in this short amount of time. I didn't even know so much of what you told me and I'd like to pride myself on thinking that I'm a pretty knowledgeable vegan but I didn't even know anything that you really told me. I'm still kind of shocked. Um, so thank you for educating me and all of our listeners. I'm so glad we're all in this together. We always learn from you as well. And I think every time we all spend time together or even have chats, we always take away something valuable and useful and we're able to spread it on. And that's really important. Keep it going. Man, you think that dog and cat leather thing is real? I think so. And it's pretty mind bending. And I really think that if more people knew about that yeah that would turn a lot of people off to leather like you know that belt you're wearing it was made of fido like i don't i don't i I love fido i don't want that (laughs) Uh, we have here in america very clear lines of delineation on which animals we could kill skin eat and shit like that and which animals are to never be touched especially for fucking shoes and and boots Mm -hmm. and dogs and cats are pretty high on that list i mean they're pretty much the (gasps) only I mean, no, because dogs, there's still dog fighting and dog racing, I just remembered. So kind of cats are only the ones that get away. And it's not totally that people free. love cats either. No, it's not. Maybe People are really more afraid of cats. Than yeah, maybe else. they just don't want to fuck yeah, with cats. Yeah, they're just cats. like, we don't, don't give them any reason to be mad at us when the fucking... The kingdoms flip and animals are on top again. Oh, my Cats God. are tough enough to deal with because they're like, let's just kill shit because we can. Seriously. Um, if Mouse they had a fucking so reason, bad. if they were like, oh, my God, you killed my fucking mother and were as a bell. We'd be all done for in seconds. But they're so Spock-like. They're just so like fucking zero emotions. But all the interest in watching something die. I'll watch you die, and I won't laugh or cry. It's pretty I do it to see if I can feel anything. (laughs) I think that's what my cats think all the time. Two trained killers that you're living with. They're like, if we were just four times as big as we are, we would be in charge, and we would eat you and him. We'd eat both of you. Parents, no. Lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before you got us fixed, you fuck. Oh, my God. I know. Minnie, my girl cat. Uh, has had to wear a onesie to cover her stitches. This poor son of a bitch. In an effort to get the cat to like not chew her stitches out and shit, they've dressed her up in a goddamn onesie. And it's a onesie with a hole in the back so, you know, she can still take a take a shit. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> I ran out of options. I really ran out but of this options. this cat has the pained look in her eyes of like, can you get me out of this? It's so pathetic. This ain't right, is it? Is this what the other cats are wearing in Paris this year? <laughs> she only has one other cat to like look at as an example, and he's not wearing a funny outfit. Well, we tried to we put a dress on him to try to make her feel better about her situation. It was too small for him, also, so it was like it was punishment, and now I just kind of like it. <laughs> it's the only way I can get off. That's him doing a documentary. He's like, I can't even get off. They stole my balls when I was a child. Oh, my God. That's Mouse's documentary. That's Mouse's biopic. That is, uh, it's called Man or Mouse. Man or Mouse. Wow. Um, My Life. 
between two worlds. What are the two worlds? <laughs> because he he's, wants to be a cat. He is a cat, but he's raised by you, a human. So he's trapped between two worlds, being human and being cat. So how is he human? He's fucking raised by humans. Every second of that cat's life, some human is like, do this, do that. Here's a little laser player. Here's a f- pointer to play with. Here's a fucking treat. Here's a... And and you you treat them like your children, so they look they they're probably confused. They're like, am I man or cat? Sometimes I'll just hold them in front of the mirror until they see themselves to be like, oh, that's what I look like. You want them to have self awareness? I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I think therefore I am. I want them to know. I meow, therefore I am. You haven't heard mouse meow when he sounds like he's speaking English though so maybe he is part human Um, he's trying he's trying to speak your language I really think they're aliens they look like small aliens but he all cats are we're gonna find out at the end of our lives that the aliens have been amongst us all along and they were always cats I think so yeah I'm like I'm so certain that's why dogs hate him so much they're like we know the fucking truth they came from another world, you fucking idiots, and we've been trying to tell you our whole fucking lives, and they've got nine of them. Nine alien lives. Yeah, what? Yeah, that's right. You can't kill a cat. Holy shit. They you really rip are their balls alien. out, and you still stand it. They're still <laughs> Would you ever get them declawed? No, never. No, that's horrible, right? That's so bad. Can you imagine? That's like fucking ripping your fingernails off. Yeah. I, I would uh, never do that. But no. when I was a kid, we had cats galore in our house, and it was my responsibility to trim the cat's nails with we, toenail yeah. clippers. And holy fuck. And probably they'd be like, they figured out if they don't take the hooks off the tips of this, we can cut their fucking jugulars in the night. I'm a cat and I'm a killer. I think they've tried to. Take your life in the night? I think so. Then keep them on your floor. I've, um, I don't need them near me. My friend... Rogelio told me once that cats domesticated themselves. Do you know about that? No, tell me. Slash, is it true? <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. I can't confirm something I never heard I before. I don't know if it's How true. does that mean domesticated themselves? Meaning because one day a cat just walked into a person's house and was like, I'll be fine right here. Thank you. Because humans domesticated dogs and yeah. made dogs man's best friend. But cats were like, <clears throat> wait, you can feed us and we don't have to hunt and you can just like take care of us. Yeah. yeah hi. Yeah, sweet deal. I'll live here. I'll stay here <laughs> and I'll shrink as little as I can yeah. so as to not be threatening. <laughs> exactly. Dogs, um, apparently, um, Andy McElfish told me on education, I believe it was, dogs first came to us um, because of the fire. So we learned how to rock some fire and we'd build a fucking little fire and shit. So the dogs first came around out of curiosity of what's that? And then, ooh, it's warmer here. I like this. Then the cooking of food. Mm -hmm. Um, When we started like firing meat and stuff and you can smell caramelization of burning meat on bone or whatever, they were like, oh my God, fucking this rocks. So we'd give them scraps. But the thing that bonded dogs to man they say like why dogs became domesticated mm-hmm. was because we could itch them in places they couldn't itch wow so like when we first started touching them and petting them they were like holy shit <laughs> this is everything boys change of plans <laughs> like it completely changed who they were man because they were like wow. so into so in that way a dog is more of a hedonist than a cat because a dog's like, I will chuck my entire 
fucking identity if you will just scratch right between my ears. I can't get it myself. We take itching for granted. <laughs> they haven't figured it out. They can't get to some places and shit. That and- would suck, though, if you had an itch, but you couldn't reach where it was. I mean, I guess we can't really reach our back that... And sometimes you have an itch, like a phantom itch, where you're like, it's itching in a place that I don't even know exists or something. Yeah. Or do you ever get an internal itch where you're like, I, I can't even reach it. It's like bird in my muscle, it, itch, it itches. No. Yeah. What? Uh, I've had that. It what? drives me nuts where you're like, I, it's not on my skin. Really? Yeah. But what? it's psychosomatic. Is that, is that it's not like problem? Real. It could be. <laughs> that sounds more That's like a doctor a problem. Once and they're like, no, the body's weird. They just don't talk <laughs> to that. Um, well, there it is, kids. You, you learned some shit. You learn more shit about cats and dogs than you probably thought you would coming into the vegan abattoir. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you just call this shit Pet Store Abattoir and move on? Pet Store. <laughs> pet Store Confidential. You love animals so much. We do. Um, one of us loves them so much, she'll never eat them again for that purpose. And one of us uh, just loves life so much that he won't eat animals again, too. Um, you got anything to add for these cats before we head off into the, the vegan sunset? If you have a question about veganism for us, mm-hmm. you can DM us at our Instagram. Oh, here she goes. At the Instagram. Vegan Abattoir. <laughs> Very, she's so proud of herself for making the Instagram. I am. My point was like, well, you've got enough Twitter, uh, Instagram followers. I got a lot of Instagram followers. We're just promoted in our, in our socials. She's like, no! It needs its own identity. <laughs> I will water it like a garden. I will grow. Our membership. How many member I'm followers trying. we got? Twelve. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I think there's like, I think we have an okay amount. What's an okay amount? Well, no, we have a thousand five hundred. I'm fifteen hundred. So we're 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 moving on up in the world. Um, kids, if you pity this poor son of a bitch, go to Instagram. What? The f- <laughs> Follow vegan abattoir. <laughs> I love when my dad calls me a poor son of a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I can't call your daughter a bitch. Your mom would get all mad and shit. Like, what the fuck did you say, Kevin? I, what if I told you? I, how did you come here? I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind. Sounds accurate. Um, I had her here for two podcasts this week, and uh, you know, she was just like, Why is this chair so low? I was like, I don't know. Your daughter's the only one that sits in it. And she goes, Oh, well, that's why. Because your chair is low, so of course her chair has to be low. <laughs> and I was like, I think someone is showing a little bit of their internal process. <laughs> I think you've told us more about you than her with that oh, comment. Shit. She maintains that, you know, she's delighted that you look like me and act like me. She's like, look, I married you, so like, I'm glad She's more like you than me. She's like, but it would have been nice if there was just something. I'd probably be pissed if I were her. Would you? I'd be like, what the hell? What happened? I think her rationale is pretty good, though. And as much as like, like, well, I married you. So if she's a reflection of you, that's like a good thing. No, it is a good thing. But imagine being the person to grow that child mm. they lived in you mm. and then they were nothing like you and i rub it in all the time that's pretty upsetting yeah. actually no, no doubt believe me in her dark quiet moments <laughs> that's what she thinks about she's just like 
how, how sickly ironic that I built her and she doesn't like me. <laughs> she like him. I hate him both. <laughs> Mom will help the cats. Then she has a nice uprising. pop and goes to sleep. Yeah, trust me. When the fucking animals flip this bitch and it becomes utopia and whatnot. I can't wait. Jen will be in with the cats. They'll be like, you're as cold and dispassionate as we are. <laughs> Welcome. If mom hears that. <laughs> she don't listen to this podcast. She don't even listen to her own podcast. That's true. Uh, there it is, man. For Vegan Abattoir, I'm Kevin Smith. And I'm Harley Quinn Smith. Get out of our Vegan Abattoir. <laughs>